Don't get too psyched because you haven't sold it yet. You're an escrow. Do you understand what escrow is? Hi, everybody. Again here, Maria uh, Gomez with Heart to Heart with Escrow. We welcome today our special guest, Eric Gomez. No relation, by the way. No, no relationship, just the last name. <laughs> and we're just cool people with the same last name. And as you can see, Eric is with EG. He's a principal of EG Wealth Management. Yep. And today we're going to talk about a variety of stuff, you yeah. know, um, investment money, of course, money, 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 money. Um, makes the world go round. It makes the world go round. <laughs> and, and boy, does it, does it help in every other way. Um, so... Welcome to the Thank podcast. You. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about Eric Gomez. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit about me. I'm. Uh, we were just talking before this. I was talking to her, her daughter, and and her grandbaby's here. And uh, we're obviously Mexican. She looks more Mexican, maybe a little <laughs> bit more than me. So I'm, right. I'm half Mexican, but I grew up in a, a small farm town in central uh, San Joaquin Valley, and. Somehow I, I made it here, you know, to, uh, to beautiful Orange County. So we run a fee-based financial planning firm okay. where we really focus on more strategy of people's finances and what they need to be doing to get them to where they want to be financially versus um, kind of what the world has turned into in the financial world, which is kind of a mess. So at what age do you think someone should be, you know, thinking about financial wealth because I'm going to tell you an experience that I had over this weekend. So I did some type of financial literacy or I spoke about some type of financial literacy with some high school girls this weekend. Oh, cool. Amazing, right? Um, to my surprise, which, you know, none of the girls knew financial literacy. They okay. had no idea, one, maybe what a mortgage was, you know, and I know it's not something that we're taught well, at least back in my whew, high school years, nobody taught us any type of financial literacy, how to invest money, what a 401k was, what it looked like, your taxes, your not even, you know, Social Security, all that stuff. And that kind of worried me because yeah. I thought, you know, 20 some years later that I graduated from high school, something had to change in that aspect. Sure. But at what age do you highly recommend or you kind of think this is where you should start at this age or get your kids to really start at a certain age to talk about money and financial, you know, literacy or, or finances to sure. get them to be where they need to be yeah. for retirement. Yeah. So I'm assuming you haven't used the Pythagorean theorem since school, right? So no. <laughs> you always hear people talking about all the stuff you learn in school for a, a number of reasons. Um, I think that's a, a big challenge. I was just talking to my 19 year old yesterday about uh, some medical billing and how it all went and kind of how it went sideways. And I said, there's no standard process for that. And, and recently we were talking about taxes. And unfortunately, we don't learn these important things, how taxes work, how the tax code works, um, what we get taxed on, how we get taxed, um, how money works, how compound interest works, how banking works, mortgages, et yeah. cetera. Um, and I think it's it's one of the many pitfalls uh, in our education um, system. So, But to answer your question... I would say if you're probably under 20 years old, the best way mm -hmm. you could do it is to have your kids involved in conversations, you know, right. as you guys are talking about, you know, because unfortunately, I think what most kids learn about money, and I tell our clients this all the time, is that um, at this stage in life, the stage of life you are, and you've had tremendous success, what I'm sure you've learned about money is just trial and error and what right. you thought you should be doing, and you made mistakes, you're like, damn, that wasn't right, so I should do something different, and so... Um, 
I think at a young age, people start to learn by osmosis, just being around their right. parents. They generally hear people fighting about money or we don't have enough or we can't do this. But whether you have money or not, I think it's important. And I think there's some, some uh, stigma or um, uh, taboo, that's what I was looking for, right. around, around money, especially culturally, yes. especially Mexicans. I mean, they're like, yeah. even if you're... I bet your parents was like, you've had tremendous success. They still probably wouldn't talk to you about money and you're, you're, you're wildly successful. Today I had this conversation with my dad and I was like, so dad, how much money do you have? And you know, or whatever. He's like, "Ah, you know, it's like, you know, nope. I'm just trying to help. I mean, if I can get you to be where a CD is paying you more than where you have it sitting down, Mm -hmm. like, I think I've learned something throughout my trial and errors. Right. Uh, But it is a taboo. We never, you know, Never were taught to invest, where to invest it, your, 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 your bonds, your insurance, uh, other stocks, type of stocks, yeah, yeah. And, and now Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah, but Crypto. Crypto, right? So not, none of that. So now, you know, being grown up or being an adult now, yeah. now that I have my business and I'm trying to invest from here, I'm trying to invest here at the stock. I'm trying to invest on a, on, on a business or trying to invest on here. Real Put estate, a little right? bit of everything. Yeah. Real estate is the other big one for us. Um, but yeah, it is a big taboo and it's kind of, how do we break that? That's, you know that's what I mean? good. So, so go back to the question. I, th- I think the first thing is, is, is to break the taboo. I think with, um, especially the U S being a melting pot, um, and, you know, I, my family has been here, I think, four or five generations. But I think if you has, have generational uh, Americans, we'll call it, is that I think they will start to break the norms. And they, right. you know, almost kind of starting to push their parents into having conversations with them. So it's, it's like you're talking about, kind of telling, you know, maybe in a way saying, hey, you know, whatever money you have, it's not going to surprise me. And I'm not trying to get any of it. I'm trying to help you. So, right. so trying to meet them in the middle. But I think that the key is, is having kids come to the table, be involved in conversations, understand how certain things work, understand why we have money or don't have money for certain things. And, and um, I think that's, that's important. I think then when you get into your 20s, it's starting a little bit of their own trial and error. Right. And um, I think what's a little dangerous today is you have stuff like I hear this a lot, TikTok and Instagram, and you have these people. And I think they are trying to, for the most part, I'll say, I think they're trying to spread good information. Yeah. But just like reading a book or just like podcast or uh, YouTube, right? It is meant to try to reach the masses. Right. Right. Because anybody that has a podcast or YouTube channel or TikTok, they're trying to get eyeballs because right. as they get more eyeballs, they get more ad money or whatever it is. Right. And so they need to, they're, they're trying to disseminate broad information that isn't really meant to be specific financial information. Right. So okay. that's why someone works with someone like me is, yeah. is they take like, and I have a lady I'm going to have lunch with next week. And she's like, I, I hear these little things on TikTok and she's wildly successful. And she's like, but I think it's safe though for people because they don't have to talk to that person on TikTok. That person on TikTok's talking to them. They say, oh, I like that concept. Right. Right. And so like something that's been coming up that's on TikTok a lot and on Instagram is having your kids on payroll. And so I have my kids, yes. I have clients call me and like, should I put my kids on payroll? And it's like, it's not quite that easy, right? It's <laughs> a, there's more to it. So I give them what we call the 360 around any, okay. any question. Yes. But then it's like, you should consult with your CPA. Here's what I understand about it. Let's get your CPA involved and let's figure out if it's right for you or whatever it may be. And then I talked to a guy today that's 33 and just inherited some money. And so okay. for him, I would say, I think probably your early 30s, and this all depends on probably education, occupation, and income. Okay. Right? Because you could be 23 years old making a half a million dollars. You probably need a financial advisor. And you could be 
45 years old, make it 100 grand, and you probably need a financial advisor. But I'd probably say for most people hitting their stride in their 30s um, is a place where they should probably start forging a relationship with somebody. Okay. Because um, just like I just got my hair cut, even though I always wear a hat, you know, <laughs> uh, I could probably go on YouTube and figure out how to cut my hair. It's not worth the 20 bucks I paid yesterday. Right. And it's the same thing with a financial advisor. Right. You could do everything I do for a living on your own. You just got to ask yourself, is the risk worth the reward? Is what you'd pay worth what you saved? Right. And that is, an, that is a personal decision. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, so, and so this guy was talking to us, 33. I'm like, hey, I think this could be a really good jumping off point for you to start doing some good planning. But with the money you have, if I were you, I'd just pick this investment in this platform and do it. And you probably don't need me. Right. right. So, so that's how that's I think kind of the the timeline or the maturation I'll call it of when you should work with an advisor. Okay. So, so I guess my other question is because I have a lot of questions and it's very interesting is who is your to go to people? Is it who just, do I work with? Who do you work with? Like I know specific financial advisors work with just NFL players baseball players, yep. sports, or TikTokers, or, yeah. you know, um, different types of, um, you know, people yeah. people that yep. you want to work with, right? Because not everybody's your cup of tea, and not everybody's your cup of tea. Yeah, you're not their cup of tea, exactly. you know? Yeah, yeah. So who who is your clientele? Yeah. So I will say one thing is that I, I am seeing in the financial world a little bit more of specialization. Okay. I would still say a vast majority of the industry is like a jack of all trades or truly like I'll work with anybody that walks in the door. Mm -hmm. What would they, uh, what do they, they call it? Like, uh, there, there's like some funny term for that, oh, but, okay. but kind of like a generalist. Right, right. Okay. And I would honestly say, and maybe I'm a smidge biased, but, um, a generalist is for someone that's maybe just starting off and they don't need anything complicated. Okay. The people we do work with, our primary market is what we call the new majority executive. Mm -hmm. So that would be you, right? right. Someone, okay. you're, I would say you're a business owner, but also a business leader. Um, and so what new majority executive means for us is predominantly Hispanic men and women that are in corporate leadership or executive roles. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So you, you lead your company, you're, you're a small business owner. And so that definition bleeds a little bit and we do work with some Hispanic small business owners, but they generally come to us from a personal planning standpoint. Okay. Because what we do is personal planning. Um, I've been doing this 18 years. We started focusing about three years ago. And so before that, I was a generalist. And I would work with a plumber, or I would work with, uh, you know, that loves yeah. El Torito, or, yeah. I would, uh, or I would work with uh, a doctor, or I would okay. work with, you know, whoever it was. But the problem is, is that the conversation always changed. Like okay. some, back to my joke is I, because we're having some conversation before this. So if I was working <laughs> with a plumber, they have a certain set of problems. And if I work with a physician, they have a certain set of problems. And then if I work with a lawyer, they have a certain set of problems. And so what happens is, is your, your conversation's always bouncing around right. and you don't ever get really, really good at one thing. Okay. And so when we started to identify where do we get the most energy, where do we think we could have significant impact? Um, I already had a little bit of a footprint, I'll call it, in, from a marketing standpoint in the Hispanic space. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to work with Hispanic business owners. I didn't want to work with Hispanic households or families necessarily. Okay. And the other thing when you define a market is it has to be somewhat finite, right? Okay. If I said I want to work with brown people, right, there's freaking millions and millions of brown people in this right. country, right? right. <laughs> but, but Hispanic executives, you know, there's probably, I don't know what it is, but let's say that market size is 50,000 people, okay. right? I only have the ability to serve maybe 40 new clients a year. So 50,000 over the next 10 or 15 years of my career is plenty, 
Right. right? Okay. So you need your pond to be small enough that you could have impact and you can create a brand. But you like like you're it's, right. it's Orange County escrow. I'm not going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, and call you. No. I, I know if I'm in Orange County and well, I well, it depends. I get those calls too. Right. If they have a property here exactly. in Orange County, yeah. So that that's the that's the beauty of the name of Orange County, right? Because yeah. you Google it, you put an escrow in Orange County, and I pop up. You pop up, okay. Yeah. And so that that's the point of like when you create a market is also have a branding that aligns with that. Mm-hmm. And so this is amazing branding. Like I know if I'm buying a house in Orange County, I'm gonna search. You're gonna pop up, and and my brain's gonna tell me you're the Cat's meow, let's call it of Orange County. And yeah. so I call you. So th- yeah. that's the same thing that, that we're trying okay. to do with the new majority executive. We have some really great clients and what I'd call high pri- profile clients in, in that space. Um, and so Contain affords that. Our secondary market, which I call sort of a passion project, is we work with the retirement red zone. So people that okay. are preparing for retirement. Okay. But we primarily market to the new majority executive. So talking about the red zone of the retirement, at what age range are you seeing now people retiring? Because nowadays I hear people, I want to retire in seven years. And I'm like, they're the only 47 or <laughs> I don't know. I th- I'm, I'm going by the Social Security Administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That retirement age is at like, what, 62, 65? 65, 65, yeah. 65. So uh, what what's the average age that you're looking where people are starting now to be like, okay, this is where I want to retire. And yep. you start helping them get to that retirement plan. Yep. So we have a client right now that's on the cusp. He's 49 years old and he mm-hmm. is retiring. Uh, we worked with him a long time. I would definitely say it's an outlier. I'm not going to pretend that he's retiring all because of my efforts, right? He's worked <laughs> his, his butt off and, and hopefully he sees this. So, you know, we follow each other on social media. Okay. Um, but he's done a lot of good things, done a lot of the right things. Um, I think if you're going to retire early, there's the S word that people don't like, but it's really key if you're going to retire early, and that's sacrifice, Mm -hmm. right? Meaning that you have to give up certain things you want now for something you want later. Um, But to answer your question, our our retirement red zone definition is 58 to 63, because if you're five years from retirement, you're 58, you're going to be at 63. And if you're 63 at 68, and that 63 to 68 range is pretty average of when people are retiring. Now we have people that retire in their... 50s and we have people retiring in their early 70s but when you think retirement and like you just said and you think of a retirement red zone which is close to retirement that should sort of line up to those ages i just i just gave you so that i'd say is still pretty common unfortunately as many people know savings rate in the u.s um, is poor um, our debt to income our consumer debt that people are holding um, is now back in eclipse pre-covid um, right uh, mm-hmm. times and so um the thing is, is people just don't save enough. People like to spend too much money. They're not focused. They're not clear on what they want in the future. And so they wake up in their 50s. Hopefully their kids are out of the house, you know, or, or through college or pretty close to it. And they're like, hot damn, I better start saving some money. And now they don't, what I call runway. They don't have enough runway to Got be it. able to get that plane off the tarmac. And so they're unfortunately having to work until their 70s just to make the math work. You're right. Right. So. Do you yeah. ever get like those late bloomers? We do. There seemed to be a time, probably uh, four, five, six years ago, where it seemed like I was talking to people, and they're like, they would say, uh, "I don't think I'm ever going to retire. I'm just going to die." And so I was just like, <laughs> the first thought I would have is like, "Man, that's really depressing." Is my first thought. Yeah. This, so I came up with an answer. My answer was, "Do you think is that what you want, or do you think that is your reality?" That became right. my answer to that. And they paused. I do a lot of meetings on the phone. And they paused and they'd say. I honestly don't think I have the money to retire. And I said, okay, now we're getting somewhere. So um, I, I always say, uh, there's little colloquial terms for anybody that's watching this or knows me. There's kind of themes or phrases I have. And one of them is most people's problems in life 
as well as money, their number one problem that they have between people that have money and those who do not okay. is the six inches of real estate between your ears. The six inches of real estate between your ears. It is okay. how you think. Okay. It is how you process information. It's how you approach problems. It's the story you tell yourself. Right. That is what is is the primary thing. Now, there are people that have gotten a bad break. There are people that um, have, uh, because of maybe, I mean, this is a little controversial, but maybe because of racial inequality or um, right. whatever it is, or because of their gender, maybe they haven't got all of the breaks, but the, the main commonality i found in people that have money and don't have money is just how they approach it and how they problem solve okay right and it's and it's how it's, it's the information they have it's how they're raised a lot of times um and it's the story they tell themselves yeah I, I mean at least for us in the hispanic industry it's kind of like everybody's like well i blame my parents for having uh, their money under the mattress yeah. thinking that oh it's safer there than it is at the bank yep exactly and why they have it why do they have it under their mattress you just said it, right? Right. Is what? The, it's fear and the, and, the, right. and the lack of trust. Now, there are some, especially, you know, migrant families, they had some of that lack of trust and some uh, corruption and so forth. But, you know, let's say you're here, and obviously the banking system is not perfect, as we've seen, mm-hmm. right? But uh, even when the banking system is not perfect, the government still steps in, and then they say, hey, we're going to make this right. Right. You know? Um, I actually have a friend of mine that just sold a company for $80 million, and I called him, and he had all his money at SVB. Oh, right. Wow. <laughs> and so he was actually he's kind of like, hey, he, never mind. He was a little stressed out. Um, okay. But he's like, I got all my money and it worked out. Right. And yeah. so. Um, so back to what you said is that fear was fear. the driver there. Right. Fear of something else. And I can't trust these people. And then that starts to bleed culturally. Right. And it starts to it bleed does. into the next generation. Not, who do I trust? And so trust is a, is a tough thing to come by. Right. Trust is nothing that's given. It's earned. Right. But. Um, but you have to, at some point, take a little bit of faith or the leap because um, if you continue to live that way, that permeates all areas of life, and then you're held back, and then you don't ever get ahead. Right. right. So, so I agree. It's, it's, it could be tricky. Right. I agree because I am one of those mm-hmm. who um, – I didn't live – live based on fear on my father um he just was never educated obviously he just was here to work mm-hmm. and save his money put it under the mattress and saved and saved and the only thing i heard is kind of like what do you think you know it's like money grows on trees and and stuff like that so you kind of just were like why 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 and obviously you get older and certain things you start learning on your own trial and error and you start finding out, oh, there's a 401k. Oh, I can invest on in a company. Oh, there's classes in college that you can study for the stock market and all that other stuff. Things like that that you kind of have to, you know, kind of be curious and wanting to, you know, yeah. get into that financial strategy and, and, and do something to have a retirement. Yeah. You know? And, and there's nothing wrong with being... Um, apprehensive. There's nothing wrong with being a little guarded, um, but sometimes you have to take a little bit of risk or have a little bit of faith. This person that called me today that inherited this money, um, we know each other casually, and they reached out and said, hey, I came across this money. Can I ask you some questions or can you point me in the right direction? And I know that takes courage, right? Because right, he does. doesn't he doesn't really know what I'm going to say. He doesn't know if I'm going to sell him a bunch of crap uh, you know, or BS. He doesn't know if I'm going to charge him for his time. And so I said here's kind of my answer. Here's what I would do. Here would be my advice. Um, and honestly, I don't think you really need me in this case. And here's what you could do. Here's, here's at a point where I think that we could become effective and help you. Um, and, and he took that risk and he got the answer he was probably, he was probably oh, nice. looking for. So it's just like, 
there are people out there. There are mm-hmm. people, they're professionals, and you can go to them and ask questions. And if you don't like their response or you don't like how they come off, you don't have to tell them everything. You can't, you don't have to fully open up, you know, but as it's like, hey, this person seems, you know, you could start to open up more and more. Yeah. Because um, I would say most people are there to help and to be helpful. Right, so most not, well, not everybody. Some get misguided and they're like, "Hey, yeah, no problem." And then next thing you know, you're yeah. shutting down. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we just so, talked about. So speaking speaking of that, I saw something this week, and so the thing is, is when there's fear in the air, like with the Silicon Valley yeah, thing, the bank. I've seen stuff on social media. It's like, "Hey, if you're worried about money in the bank, or you're worried about is your money disappear, call me, and I got this thing for you." And it's just like you're playing off the fear of people. And you're using you're using this distraction method to probably guide them in a direction that's not good. And right. so you just you have to be careful. But people don't know those things, and um, I think it's unfortunate that stuff happens. Um, it, it 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 really irks me um, yeah. because I'm I'm under the belief that that there is no silver bullet, right? There, is there a better place? Then SVB, yes. Is all banks right. bad? No. Uh, is having your, all your money in the bank bad? Yes or no, right? Depends on your situation. Depends on what you're trying to do. Um, and, but saying, hey, if this is scaring you, come to me and I have a I have a solution or a silver bullet yeah. versus like, hey, if this has concerned you and has made you aware of what's going on and you'd like to know what this may mean to you, give us a call. Let's chat about right. that. That is a totally different approach. Different approach, approach then. Um, because maybe it's just not having it in this FDIC bank or vehicle maybe it's having it in this vehicle right? right so i've i've i'm in a number of group chats and hang on with business leaders and so forth and so that we have a chat going on and they're like what's hey, the topic wh- of the chat well so they brought up this svb the thing SVB and actually thing. that's where i first heard about this bank yeah. thing i didn't even know what was happening it's a bridge wasn't it like a bridge bank or something like that i i, heard I have no I, yeah, I know nothing about the okay. bank actually but it yeah uh, it's a lot bigger than I was aware of. Yeah. Um, now everybody knows about them. But they're like, um, is anybody else aware of this or concerned about their FDIC limits? And should we talk about it? And then guys started chiming in and it's like, well, I just moved my money to this vehicle. And I'm thinking, that's a stupid mistake to do that. Yeah. Right? But it's like, as a professional, I can't put that in. I can't put that right. in a text setting. I have yeah. to pick up the phone or I have to send an email because of compliance. But um, I'm like, you put that your money in that. That's interest rate sensitive and that could that's what causes the svb issue yeah. is interest rate environment so yeah. it's just um I, I guess my point is is that you need customized advice for right. personal problems if you're looking for blanket information any of these other places are okay i truly believe that if you want advice that pertains to your specific situation you have to talk to a person that understands your specific situation to give you specific advice for your situation right and depending on the field that you're in as well there's certain people like you yeah. only kind of help certain amount of clients i mean we could help we could help anybody but those are the people that we specialize in like uh i always like to joke i'm not a big fan of physicians i work with right. very few physicians but i i went to this charity event in vegas in january and i met this physician super cool guy and I, and, and physicians that are cool i call them non-physicians right so i happen to be in phoenix this weekend uh-huh. and i saw him and we had a great conversation i think we could really help him he's got an advisor that seems to be taking him astray and i, and I could help and he wants our help right so right. um but if we have people, let's say it's an engineer or maybe it's a, like you mentioned, a professional athlete, that really isn't our space. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but when we do get introduced to people that aren't in our space, we have partners that we partner with. Okay. So that we could still, if they like us and they like kind of our ethos, they could still have us as the facilitator, I'll call it. Got it. But that we're using a different specialist. Got so it. like when we work with business owners, you know, I have a business planning partner in Chicago. And so they basically do all of our business planning for us. So you are all over... The U.S. Yeah, you guys are okay. all over the country. Oh, yeah. All over the yeah. country. Yeah. Okay. But we, so I tell clients though, um, 
that, uh, that let's say it's a business owner, that if they have business owner specific planning questions, mm-hmm. that I'm going to bring in a specialist. Just like oh, if it. I were your doctor okay. and you came in and you had a, uh, I'm your general practitioner, let's just say, and you have a shoulder issue. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say, here's what I think is wrong with your shoulder, but I have a ortho specialist Got it. down the hall. Let me call him in and he can handle your shoulder and I'm going to handle something else. Right? right. And so that's how our firm is, is oriented because we want to stay in our lane because right. I know where I'm good. I know what our practice is good at. I know what my team's really good at. And I know where, I know where we could do. I just don't think we serve people by doing that. Got it. Right. If you have 50 people here and you're like, Eric, you're awesome. Can you set up a 401k? I could do it. We could figure it out. Like I've done it before. I don't like it. I actually hate it. Right. And <laughs> I don't have the team for that. Right. So I would you say, refer them out to yeah, like, so hey, I, call such and such. Yeah. So I bring in a partner of mine and they, they handle that stuff. And so, um, I think that's also a big thing you see in the industry is people just get so greedy because there's there's a lot of money to be made, quite frankly, in a lot of yeah. areas. It doesn't mean because they could figure it out, they should be doing it. Right. Right. So, yeah. Or so. people who kind of do have a big 401k that's just sitting there and it's kind of like someone can just come and be like, hey, just transfer the money or it's like it's, it's a part for me. It's about educating people. Right. Mm-hmm. And educating them as to what you can do with your money where you're not going to find a big old loss because a lot of people keep, believe it or not. Their 401k sitting there, and yeah. they're losing money based on this market, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, well, I thought my 401k is supposed to go up, and then it's like one day it's here, one day it's there. So you know, you help out people, do you? Like for to transfer their 401k yeah, yeah, yeah. to invest them in different, yeah. you know, areas so that they're making money, they're not losing money. Yeah, but I think th- what you said about education, it's important for them to understand that losing money is not necessarily bad. And also you don't lose money. What I tell people is you don't lose money unless you make a bad decision. Right. Right. If you have a loss on your statement, mm-hmm. you haven't, like real estate, right? right? If you have a million dollar home and you wake up tomorrow and it, and you go on Zillow or wherever you want to go for your information, right? Maybe right. Especially Zillow. Yeah. yeah especially Redfin, Zillow, right? Redfin, Zillow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, whatever platform you're going to yeah. go to, right? And it's $900,000. Maria didn't lose a hundred grand. Maria loses 100 grand when she says, oh, shit, this is bad. I'm going to sell my house because this thing can go to zero. Yeah. Then you lost 100 grand when you act on that fear. Okay. Right? And so it's the same thing with your statement. And, you know, during COVID, I had a couple of clients that's like, I'm losing money. And it's like, no, bro, you're not losing money until you push me to a brink where I succumb to your fears. Right. And I told a couple of clients, and I tell clients to this day, I said, if you hire me to do a job, you got to let me do the job. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm not going to let you push me or bully me or threaten me sometimes. Blame you for it. It was your fault. Yeah, blame me for it. It's my fault. It's it's only a loss when we act on that fear and we move out of that position. That's true. Right? And so you have to educate people. But like you talked about, you know, people play on that fear as well. Oh, your 401k, lose money. You move over here, you won't lose money. It's like if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Right. Right? Because um, nothing's free in this world ever, ever, nothing. ever. And um, and you're not ever going to make money if you're not taking risk. Right. But there's a difference between volatility and risk. Right. right? And volatility is just a function of earning money. Risk is a function of sometimes foolishness, right? And not right. my being fully informed or educated. So, right, right. Um, but you still have to take that risk. I you, think. Yeah. You don't have just to be take, smart about yeah, it. Yeah. I may, I may have a higher risk tolerance than you do. Right. Um, I think you and I are probably about the same age, um, but just our upbringing, I may have more or less risk tolerance than you do, but we probably have about the same time horizon. Right. Right. And time is really the secret ingredient yeah. in financial planning and investing. And so yeah. that's, that's really key. So, um, I mean, hopefully whoever's listening to this, pick it up on some good things because yeah. um, you just, 
if it sounds too good to be true, if it if it's playing on fear, it, those are always things you should be cautious about um, because um, there's there's always a flip side of that. There's yeah. There's always a flip side of that. Especially now, I think I was seeing this, um, um, I think it was a post um, of a gal talking about this market, right? Mm-hmm. So it's us adapting and learning and educating ourselves all the time, right? It's not always getting stuck in the old times, right? Mm-hmm. Where this market has this always, you know, learning something new. When you feel that you've already kind of already learned it, something else hits us, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, the banks and all that stuff. Everybody's fearing or whatnot. It's just the way the market kind of works for us. Yeah. But it's always being able to be open-minded to learn because I deal with a lot of other, you know, agents that are stuck back. 20 years ago right. oh, this is how i used to do it it's like no the market changes so rapidly that we have to change along with it right and yep. we have to change quick enough yep. so we don't lose those clients so that way we know what we're talking about so we know that we're giving that information and actually h- uh, helping our clients yep and you speak on something really important because with technology and with mm-hmm. all of these platforms and all of this what i like to call noise uh, and some of it could be good noise, and I would say a lot of it's bad noise, is that um, your professionals like you, professionals like me, are, are having to run um, counter to a lot of that. Yes. Right? So it's like things are changing rapidly. There's a lot of information out there. You have to, Professionals have to stay on top of what information is out there. They have to make themselves aware of what is really the truth and all that. And then you have to try to get in front of it with people because then they get something in their head, and then you're yeah. trying to work. So the, the, the complexities of... I'd say the business, especially the financial world, that's your world and my world, yeah. today is so much different than when I got into it. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. And so um, it, 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 it hasn't really got the best of me, but it just it keeps us on our toes of like, how are we going to, how are we going to combat this right. to, to some degree? And so um, it's, it's, it's tricky. It can be challenging for sure. Oh, it's always tricky. It's like on a day-to-day, like one day I have this, one day it's another thing. It's the market changes or like the interest rate or the feds. It's always that talk, you know, yep. that it's kind of like scaring people, like you said. It's it's scaring. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, we got to learn. We got to adapt. We got to, you know, educate. And that's just my main thing. Like I said, I was in this event with these young girls and it just blew my mind because I'm thinking, do you know parents or, you know, financial? What's it for? I'm like, I asked them, what's a FICO? No idea. No idea if I can I had it actually compared to, imagine these three agencies that have to give you a B and C or a D yeah, grade kind yeah. of, but think about it in the terms of uh, a low FICO of 500 down to almost 900, whatever FICO it is, and how you're supposed to build credit, right? Yeah. So these little things I feel like we're lacking in school, you yes. know, in, in educating or us as parents. So being open-minded as, for, as far as like talking about finances. Like yeah. I tell my kids, you know, my kids now – you know, my daughters are 20 to 25 and my youngest one is in middle school. But it's always talking about, they hear me talk about interest rate, APR, APY, um, monthly payments. It, they're, t- they're hearing me talk about 401k investments. You know, um, I came about this, you know, on the radio, this thing that kind of worked for me. But I think it's kind of best for like kids or get your kids involved, this app called acorn i don't know if you heard it it's super cool the most easiest thing ever you know just put money on the side takes it out invest it and it's just really cool because i let my kids do that yeah you know they put their information and now they're investing and that's already yeah it's ways for them to learn it ways for them to learn because 
if they do get famous, TikTok famous, or they kind of, nowadays every kid wants to be a TikTok, you uh, know, YouTuber, famous yeah. or YouTuber, and, and that's it. Nobody wants to be a cop nowadays. And <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, or, a doctor, or, or, or a doctor, forget about that. I'm just going to be a TikTok. They make so much money. They don't even have to go to the office or dress up. They can right. just work from home and do all these crazy videos. Yeah, but never, not everybody you know, is that's meant a, for those. That's not a real job. <laughs> well, so I tell my nowadays kids. <laughs> it is. It's not really a real job. It doesn't have a 401k yeah. or whatever it is. But, you know, at least it it, it kind of engraves yeah. in their head that investment There's is possible. very, you know, important. Your FICO score is very important. Mm -hmm. And how you diversify your money, right? And how I know now you also have apps where this is the income that I make. This is what you're supposed to put here. This is what you're supposed to put here. And it's kind of like for your housing, for your car, yeah. for your allowance, and what you get at the end for entertainment. Yeah. If you get any for entertainment, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it is important, you know, to yeah. start from there to get to retire, it's hopefully at some point at 50 or earlier. Let's see, you know, where retirement comes in a couple of years for us. But right. it's important, I think, for you, for, for your kids to, yeah. to hear that. It engraves it, and they'll ask questions, and and once somebody tells them, like at least they'll make me happy. Like, yeah, my mom said this or that, or that's why she taught me. You know, so. Right. And you mentioned about the market. That I think that's really important because it's really funny in these different market cycles. Is that um, whether it's real estate or the stock market or any other cycle, is that um, when the market is good, people think it's never going to end. Yeah. When it is bad, they think it lasts forever. And they feel like the sky is falling and, yep. and this is the end of times, yep. right? And um, obviously, it hasn't been good the last couple of years. It hasn't been as bad, I think, as a lot of people think it's been. Um, you know, people really reflect on COVID, which the, the right. market in, in that time was extremely short, um, obviously, due to what was going on. Um, but people thought, like, this time was different, right? And, and every time it goes bad, people think this time is different. And Warren Buffett says... This time is not different. Yeah. It is, it is, this time is like every other time, right? Uh, things go up and things go down. And, um, it, and there's always going to be someone number one. There's going to be someone number two. And that's why there's 500, Fortune 500 companies. And there's going to be someone at yeah. 500. Um, and, they, and they ebb and flow. There was this cool graphic I saw, you know, 30 years, the, the, the top companies and, and which one moved in and out. And, you know, you had Kodak and you had companies like Kmart and yeah, Sears Roebuck. And companies now that don't exist. And then yeah. we have companies that back then that... You know, maybe Microsoft was starting to come up and Apple, but, you know, uh, Facebook, you know, was not around. And then now they're up there. And so things change all the time. And so that's the only constant there is, is change. And so right. people have to adapt and understand that. Yeah. But also they have to understand our firm's um, mission statement is empowering others through perspective. And we use this P word all the time in our practice. And that is we, we're trying to help people with a new perspective. Yeah. And the perspective is, back to what I was saying about the, the stock market and your statements, is that it sucks to see your statements have read. It sucks to see negatives on your statement. But the perspective is, as long as you don't need that money tomorrow and you made a fatal error and you need that money 20 and 30 years from now, this is going to work out. Right. Right. Um, this Back to this guy I was talking to because I talked to him right before I came over here, is, you know, he, he got... Uh, X amount of dollars, and he said he was going to keep some of it, invest some of it. And mm -hmm. so I said, let's pretend you're going to invest 50 grand of this, mm -hmm. right? And you got 8%. Yeah. So I went to my computer. I just put, I just literally Googled investment calculator because the same one's come up for us okay. or that, or that I use. And so I put in 50 grand. I put in 30 years because he was in his early 30s. And I put in 8%, right? Because mm -hmm. I thought if you have enough time and you're gonna take, willing to take a little bit of risk, volatility, um, you'll get there. Yeah. And I said, you know what this 500 grand in 30 years would be worth? 
$500,000. And he goes, wow. And I said, but the key is you have time on your side and you can't go in there and start yeah. messing with the money when the market goes down. And I said, honestly, yeah. with the money you're going to invest, you don't need me. But where we earn our keep and why people pay an advisor is because when the you know what hits the fan and you get scared and you want to do something stupid, I'm the one to tell you it's going to be okay when we're doing <laughs> the like right the thing. You're like the therapist consultant. And the therapist, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes my team gets mad because they're like, man, you're like, you're not a therapist. But it's like sometimes we are because back to the six inches of real estate, yeah. what gets in everybody's way is the psychology of all this. Right. You know I what? I, I hate to break it to anybody that's watching or listening, but what I probably do at the end of the day from a from a tactical implementation standpoint mm -hmm. is not all that special and is not all that crazy, but is also why we don't talk about the products and the investments and the stocks and right. the insurance mm -hmm. up front because that story is tired. That story is old. Everybody tells that story because they want to sell some shit to somebody. Right. What is different is the story that we tell, which is it's all about your goals, your objectives, what you're trying to do, where you came from, what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. And let's figure all that shit out first. Yeah. And let's create a path to get there. Mm -hmm. And then what you should do will fall in around it. Right. Right. Not the other way around. And I was listening to a podcast when I was driving back from Arizona that said this industry is built on selling stuff to people and then coming back around and building a plan or doing something to justify what you told them to do. Yeah. And we came to realize we didn't want to build a practice that way, that we want to say, what is it you want to do? Let's do all that work. That's why we charge people to do all that work. Right. Do the work. And then what they should do just falls into pace very seamlessly. Right. Right. If they, if they listen. If they listen and they understand <laughs> and they know that we right. understand and their goals. And I was talking to a client yeah. of ours today that we're doing some of this planning. And, um, and so I said, we're here. Here's the next piece that we need to implement. And right. she's like, Okay, like I see where this piece fits into my puzzle to help me get to where I want. Right. Now she has to do something and she has to I'll say buy something. And yes, I will get paid to do that. But my my objective was not to get her to buy that. My objective was to understand what she had to do. Understand. And then I just plug and play. Right. right. And and then the client starts to realize and and we get very little pushback when we tell clients to do things because they know we get what they're trying to accomplish and we're working towards their end goals. But unfortunately, even your pastor, people don't like to hear this, but your pastor, if you go to church, right, yeah. their goal is to give a good message and to be impactful to the congregation. So people put money in the plate. If right. their message sucks, people aren't going to do that. Right. Yeah, it's and funny you say that because I, I did go to church and the guy said same thing. Exactly. I come here and you come to Sunday mass because you want to hear something yeah. right from me. That's positive that you're going to take. Yeah. Right. To help you through the week. And maybe, you know, you go in there, you're you know, you have an issue, you have a problem and you come to prayer and you hope that I say something that you said, this is why I came to church. You're right. So that is, that's the gift. He was talking about a gift, right? Yeah. So he had the gift to talking to obviously, you know, to, to the group of people at church. And his gift was to reassure you that God is there and it's going to help you and give you all these positive feedback so your week could go great, right? Yeah. Just like he said, your gift as a doctor is to do your job. Yeah. yeah. Right. And as you and as you feel better and as you do more and you do good in the world, right? And you go out and and based on, on scripture, you give a portion of, of your earnings, right. you know, to the, the church, church and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, but my point is is that that's why you have certain churches that are mega churches, because those leaders are effective communicators and they do something different mm -hmm. 
Because where I grew up and I used to go to church, the church I went to had like 20 people that went to it and had the same 20 people year in and year out and they never grew. It wasn't that the pastor was bad. He just wasn't as good as the guy down the street that had thousands of members, right? And it's the same thing. It's the same thing with this is that that the better you connect with people, the better you understand them, your income is proportionate to your effectiveness to help people get to their goals. Right. Right. I agree. Um, And so so that, that is how... The world turns is by right. is by doing something or providing a service um, to help people do whatever they're trying to do, and you get paid to do that. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Where it does kind of go sideways is when that gets that message gets bastardized, right. and you chalk it up to you're helping people, and you're just really selling nonsense to nonsense, people. Yeah. Right? And that and that unfortunately happens a lot. And with all the regulation, it still happens. Yeah, you know? so, I agree. So. So, Eric, before we leave, yep. um, give your information. If anybody wants to contact you, have, um, you know, one wants to talk to you about any financial advice and see how you can help them get to where they need to be. Um, obviously, with this crazy market, it's always a crazy market. Um, so give your information and maybe a little quote or something positive that people can be, oh. you know. Oh, we have my quote in my card. I gave it to you last time. Remember at the end of my podcast? I don't have my wallet. I don't have my wallet in my pocket, but I, I think I remember it. Okay. Um, do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't remember yeah, it, okay. but I know you gave it to me. Yeah, yeah. So you don't remember the quote, but at the back, you're like, right, "Hey, I like the, the quote. The I'm going to read it." So I'll use I'll use the that I use that quote. But um, you could read. Uh, so <laughs> it's kind of social media. Everything that you have. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. So um, do not DM us questions, right? Uh, I'm going to say that if anybody at our parent firm is watching this, uh, this is on my OBA. And uh, my outside business activities. Um, do not DM us any questions, but if you do want to reach out to us, you could go to our Instagram. It's uh, eg underscore wealth management. Mm-hmm. Um, you can reach out there. I think our contact information is on there, but you could DM us, and then I'll give you our, my email to contact us there. Um, you can email me at eric, just my name, dot gomez at n is a nancy, m is a mary dot com. Um, those are probably the best ways to uh, to reach us. The quote on my card says something like, "There's a difference between planning and investing." And it's important to understand the difference, okay. right? Because so many people have someone that, ma- the point of that quote and why it's on my card is everybody I've talked to my entire career, and I've had a pretty good career, every human being I've talked to says, I have a financial advisor and I'm all set, I'm all taken care of. Yeah. There's a difference between managing money or investing money and being a money manager and having a financial plan. They are not the same. So that's why that quote's on our card because people need to understand there's a difference between planning difference, yeah. and investing. So that's, so that's the quote I'll use to close. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for coming to my podcast. Yeah. We'll do this again. Yeah, this was I love fun. It. And thank you guys for you know watching and stay tuned for the next one. Thank you so much. Have a good one.